All right, we're up. Good evening. How are you all? I hope you're well. Uh, hello, everyone. Apologies for the slight delay. Couple of minutes. I uh, have some family here who I haven't seen in a while, so I was up there visiting for a bit. But I'm here to uh, hang out with you guys for a bit as well. <laughs> What's going on? It's been a week. Um, I'm trying to think of what I've been up to in the last week. Just a lot of game watching. Uh, the the Hughes video is shot, so look for that one coming up. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to finish it by the end of this week. Probably not. Uh, but this weekend I'll have it finished. So, like, Monday should be the day that if you're a patron, you should have it. Uh, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, something in there, um, it'll be in there as well. I also will have to beg for your forgiveness early on. Uh, I feel like I'm coming down with something. There's something floating around in front of me. Uh, I feel like I'm coming down with something a little bit here, so I might uh, be a little bit wishy-washy and might not be able to go for the full, extremely long period of time I usually do one of these. So bear with me. If you have questions, get them in. Um... Because I don't know how long I'm going to last. Uh, things are... My body feels like it's kind of thinking about falling apart, but it's not quite there. Which is kind of not, you know, not a fun place to be. Because you're, like, not sure if you just ate something weird or what. But something's weird. Goal of the year candidates? Yes, there were quite a few. Um, there... <laughs> Yeah, there 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 have been quite a few. That Kachuk goal was pretty wild. Um I'm again, I, I think that Svechnikov goal was last week, if I'm not mistaken. Over a week ago. Uh I don't think we've spoken on it. Um Anyway, but yeah, it's it's been a a a week, I would say. Um as you can, oops, damn, <laughs> damn, damn, oh, I'm a mess, I'm a total mess, here we go, there, let's do that, pretend you did not see that sheet of paper, or not sheet of paper, that Excel spreadsheet, anyways, um, where are we here? There we go. Okay, my apologies. I'm a bit discombobulated today. Um, who do you think Ottawa should draft in 2020? Well, it depends. Um, let's for fun. Check out a draft lottery simulator. Nope, let's not do that one. So, Ottawa would have... Let's just simulate a lottery here. Let's let's try that. So Ottawa picks fourth and sixth. Interesting. So assuming you don't have a choice of Lafreniere or Byfield at four, you know, uh, and let's say it's the Rangers at three. Let's say it goes this way, and Lafreniere, Raymond, and Byfield are off one, two, three. Um, 
I would think that the Senators, you, the good thing about this year's draft is that you can't really go wrong looking at a number of different options. You know, and I think if I'm the Senators, you could very easily make the argument that another center wouldn't hurt. Um, you have Brady Kachuk. Colin White is good, but Logan Brown is is good too, but not, you know, a home phone is ringing, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't know, a home phone still rings. Um, it's mostly... Uh, yeah, so you can kind of pick and choose what what uh, kind of player that you want to add if you're the Senators. I would, this website has Cole Perfetti listed there. I probably wouldn't go with Cole Perfetti at number four. Um, I really like Anton Lundell, but if you wanted a center, I would think about, even though he plays in Ottawa, Marco Rossi at four. He could plop right into that roster, I think. I, I don't, And every single time I've tracked him or looked at him, I'm really, really impressed. Uh, if you want more scoring wingers, like you've got Brady Kachuk, who's a good two-way, gritty you know, guy with offensive skill around the net, I really think uh, that, that what you're looking at you know, might be Alex Holtz at that slot, but that to me, might be a bit high. I think he's a bit rich for, for that pick. Askarov, eh. Um, But Lundell would be an interesting pick. I don't know if you go Drysdale there, unless you like really want a defenseman. I could see someone doing it, though, just because they he's the best defenseman available, and we've seen teams go for that kind of nuts. But I, if it's me personally, and I'm the king of the world... I really take a good hard look at guys like Lindell, uh, Rossi, and Perfetti, probably in that order. But I do really like Cole Perfetti. So, it, it, again, you'd have to have discussions about what type of player you're looking for and, and, and where you're going to play them and, and doing what. But um, anyway, beyond that, uh, then you have the Senators also with sixth overall. So who knows what you end up with this. I mean, if I'm the Senators, I, that's probably, if you have four and six, maybe you just swing on Askarov and just see what happens because he's an extremely good goaltending prospect the the senators don't really have one of those i mean mad sogard is good uh, but you know askarov should be just lights out like i don't it, it would be very surprising if he didn't turn into a at least a solid nhl goaltender um Anyways, it's it's it it could be very interesting for the Senators. I still don't believe that the San Jose Sharks are as bad as they've been. I just don't. I it would be a, amazing, um, but maybe they're just having an off year. It could happen. Uh, so I guess to answer your question in an extremely long-winded fashion, like if I was king of the world, like maybe Rossi Askarov, but if you do like Rossi Perfetti. That would be hilarious. Uh, Rossi Holtz, Perfetti Holtz. Like, you you can't really go wrong. Um, what was your opinion on Kovanov during his draft season? Well, I'll tell you. Um, I did like Kovanov a lot. And I've, I've learned to be wary. Uh, I've learned to be wary of people who say this player is a perimeter player. Um, that's what they said about Kovanov. Uh, he was a 2017... Right? Is that what he was? I can't remember. 
I have to check these uh, because I have a bad memory sometimes. Okay, so it was 2018. So let me take a look. Let me take a look here. 2018, you are there. Um, I just am doing this for my own sake so that I can make sure that I'm giving you the proper information. Uh, but I do remember really liking Kovanov. Um, yeah, I had him ranked as a second round pick, so mid to late second round. And he ended up going in the third. Um, so I'm really impressed with how he's come along. I mean, he's just such a creative playmaker off the wings, so maybe he's more of a power play guy in the NHL. But at the end of the day, that that's a great um that that that's a great pick to to have in the third round, and he's turned out pretty good so far. Moncton's very good, but I think a lot of that stems from him, from what I've seen of Moncton. I, I still don't know about how good he's going to be in the NHL or anything, but he's certainly come a long ways since people saying he was too much of a perimeter player in his draft year and blah, 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 blah. I think he also had mono. So it seems like people with mono are decent bets for the future. But time will tell. Um, but he has been very good. You're right. <clears throat> what do you think about Oliver Wallstrom's deployment this year? Um, honestly, I don't know. I mean, whatever the Islanders are doing is magical. Um, somehow they're just making it work. I honestly have not seen an Islanders game this year. I will say that. Like, when you only have a couple hours a night to do this and you're making videos and, and tracking data, you know, the NHL has kind of taken a back seat. Um, I try to watch what I can. So playing him with Cole Bardreau and Ross Johnston. That's weird. Um, that is very weird. So, yeah. That can't be right. He's not playing with... Weird. That's a weird line. Cole Bardreau, Ross Johnston, and Oliver Wallstrom. Okay, um, that's a strange deployment for Oliver Wallstrom, I will say. I always thought that a year in the AHL was kind of what he needed, and he got off to a good start. He's playing against, like, not good competition, so he's playing against teams' fourth lines. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if any coach, you know, Barry Trotz is a, is a good coach. You can't really deny that. So he's he if 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 trots is going to be you know that kind of a if there's going to be any prospect or coach i hand a prospect over to handle okay it's going to be probably barry trots is near the top of that list so i wouldn't be too concerned especially considering the team is winning but it is strange it's a it's a strange combination of players to be playing him with um so if you don't see him produce a ton keep that in mind uh <clears throat> who do you think the best defenseman of the 2020 draft class will be that's an interesting question because the easy answer is jamie drysdale that's the easy answer um now just looking at defensemen so let's tab over to here and filter for defense so remove that and put in d so like of all of these defensemen let's say, who could be the best one to come out of it. And I mean, it depends on what you mean by best, right? I think that it's a pretty foregone conclusion that Jamie Drysdale will be 
the most highly touted and most likely to be very good. I'm very interested in Jeremy Poirier, but I feel like there's stuff between the ears with him that could hold him back. I think that I think that he is a bit of a showboat. Uh, he can try to do way too much on his own. Um, I think he he plays as if his teammates are a little beneath him. Like he's not sending them hard passes. He's asking for pucks back. Um, you know, he's carrying pucks into one-on-twos and then not just kind of disengaging from the play right away. Um, it's not easy to really see that working out long-term for him, but his potential is really high. So I value that. Um, there, there's a lot of potential, but I don't know if he'll get there. Uh, and he's slowed down a bit now that the season's kind of going. I am not really that much of a believer in Justin Barron either. I don't see a ton of defensemen coming out of this draft as being super, super high level. Um, you know, guys like Helga Granz are a lot of fun offensively. I think Helga Granz could be good defensively as well. It might take some time. So maybe Helga Granz is up there. Like if you're a 30% involvement defenseman in the Swedish Junior League, that's pretty good. Um, so that's a name that I'd probably think about as well. Topi Niemela might be a defenseman that you don't notice a whole lot. So I don't know if you consider that good, um, you know, but, you know, for a really off the board pick, someone like a Yoni Yermo won't be the best defenseman out of the draft, but every time I've watched him, he's really, really impressed me. You know, he, he's a big right hand shot guy who can skate really, really well, um, carry a puck through the neutral zone really nicely, uh, transitional play. He's really good at breaking it up in, in a good league in the Finnish junior league. Uh, on a good team, but he's the one breaking up a lot of breakouts uh, before they even start. You know, he's a smart defenseman in the defensive sense, and then when he turns pucks around offensively, he's he's pretty darn good. So I'm a big fan of, of Yoni Yermo, but, like, that's more of a personal, just I really like how he plays type of, of player. Um, You know, Michael Benning, I don't really know. Emil Andre can move a puck really well, but I don't I don't know about his projectability. Um, so I think I'd be very surprised if it wasn't Drysdale, but if I had to put my money on anyone being better than him, it would be Poirier, but there would need to be some things that go a lot better for him over time. Um, Lucas Elvinus. Yeah, he was, he, so he had a bit of an off year last year, I think. Um, cause he had a massive year after he was drafted, but But uh, the year after was was not great, I don't think, or at least not relatively, considering what he had done the previous year. Um, but yeah, he he he's come off really really nicely, and Chicago knows what they're doing. Um, Vegas is one of the best developmental systems in the league, considering especially considering how young that team is, and, and I mean like the team itself, not the players on the team. But you know, like I've always really liked Dylan Coughlin, and they've really done a lot of good work with him. Um, you know, Paul Cotter's getting off to a bit of a slower start. I liked him last year, uh, you know, but, but it's really interesting to see them sort of developing these guys. Zach Whitecloud is a pretty good two-way guy. I thought he could push for the NHL team. Um, but Lucas Elvenis has gotten off to a really, really good start for sure. <clears throat> um, let's remove that filter and move on. 
like I didn't see a ton of Elvenis when he was draft eligible. I didn't have as much access to tape as I do now. So, but yeah, how far he's come is pretty impressive for sure. Um, Cole Caulfield ceiling. Uh, he's a goal scorer, but I think he's underrated elsewhere. Um, he's a very good goal scorer. I think at the NHL level, I mean, it, it it's hard to project goal scorers. I think his shot is good enough to, you know, be a, a, a top scorer in the league. Um, I think his skating is underrated. I think his ability to create space in the offensive zone is underrated. Um, you know, he can be an extremely dangerous player really, really quickly on his feet, uh, even if he's under a lot of pressure. So I, I don't know if he's going to be a, a 40 goal, 40 assist guy one day, but, you know, a 40 goal, 28 assist player, you know, 68 points with 40 goals would not be terrible for him. Um, I mean, 40 goals for anyone wouldn't be terrible, but I don't really see him as like a major playmaking player. But like on the power, on the power play, he should be almost automatic. And he has the passing ability to, if he doesn't, you know, if he wants to keep goaltenders on their toes, he could pass the puck to someone in front of the net or something if he's drawing guys out to block his shot because you will probably want to block his shot. Uh, you know, he, he he's one of those guys who can put it wherever he wants in the net. So that's tough to, to counter for sure, especially when you have someone who can pass like he can. And I think he can pass pretty well. But I think that, like, being reasonable, like, he should pretty easily cross 30 goals in the National Hockey League. Like, he's just broken goal-scoring records all over the place. His shot is exceptional. Uh, it, it's all just really, really nice with him. He had no business being drafted where he went. Um... Marco Rossi at 12 would be a giant steal. I Yeah. Do you think Anthony Honka or Jamison Rees is the better player? Sorry. Give me one second. All right. Anyway. Um, do you think Anthony Honka or Jamison Rees is the better player? Well, they play different positions. So that... that that's tough. Um... Who would I rather have on my team? Well, let's before before we go into that, like who was ranked higher for me and has that changed? Um Anthony Honka has a higher upside, I think, than Jamison Rees, if that's kind of what you're asking. Uh I, I think he's got more in the tank uh long term. Um <clears throat> let's see. There it is. And so his name is Rees. So I had Rees at 32, and I had Honka later. But at 40, I had Honka at 48, Rees at 32. So I liked Rees more, but that was only really because Honka, you, you live by the Honka and you die by the Honka. Like he's either fantastic or terrible and, and like shocking decision making. So, you know, if I had to pick one though to put on my team, like, I'd probably bet on Honka, but Jamison Rees still has a lot of skill and a lot of tenacity for a guy like him. Like, he's a player that I would have on my team any day, but there's a lot more upside with Honka. So, kind of two completely different trajectories there, I think. I think I think it's pretty safe to say Jamison Rees could be a middle six player, whether it's center or wing. I think he could be a center, but maybe NHL coaches want their centers with more size and whatever. Um but yeah, Honka's floor is really low. Yeah, that's the thing. Honka could just be a freewheeling Finnish defenseman in the Liga for the rest of his career and put up good points, you know, go to the KHL, put up good points. Um, but 
when it comes time for the NHL, there might not be enough there. But if there is enough there one day, it might be a few years from now. Like, you can't rush them. Like, you know, you might need a year in the AHL, maybe two years, and a coach who's willing to live with his mistakes a little bit in order to let him go a little, uh, then you're going to be just fine. And I think he could be a really good defenseman. Um, thoughts on QMJHL Russia games? I have not seen them. I need to go back and watch them somehow. I got to find a way. Uh, I've been watching other players. I mean, I, it's basically like, for me, I'm either coming home, tracking games for, for individuals, uh, try to do two a night, you know, like when I'm doing that, I usually get through like one in a bit because there's not much time. Uh, or I'm planning and shooting videos. I'm tracking NHL games for, for the, for those videos. And the live hockey thing right now, I just can't really do it. I'll watch the odd NHL game every so often, but nothing, nothing consistent. Um, but QMJHL Russia game, you know, like I've, I've heard that Dmitry Zavgarodny has been very, very good. And I'm not particularly surprised in Ramuski. He's been fantastic. You know, there's a player who you want to talk about a seventh round swing. That's a pretty good one. Uh, it's an over NHL tradition to overdraft on need. Almost certainly I could see Drysdale. Well, I think Drysdale in the top five makes sense though. I think Jamie Drysdale, if Bowen Byram goes fourth overall, Jamie Drysdale very likely could go top five. And I wouldn't think that was crazy. Um, He's he's I think he's got more potential than Bowen Byram. I think Bowen I think he's got a higher floor than Byram. Um the ceiling might not be as high in terms of offense, but in terms of just the two way game and and being being just a smart defenseman in all three zones, you know, the right amount of risk taking in both ends of the ice, uh there's a lot to like with Jamie Drysdale for sure. Um, and he should be a player that I think, you know, if he went top five, I wouldn't be surprised what at, at all. Whereas, you know, guys like Sider and Broberg going top 10 last year, I was kind of thinking, okay, like this is a little bit, you know, jumping the gun on those guys. But if you need your defenseman, then take a defenseman. But boy, I keep imagining guys like Cole Caulfield <laughs> in an Oilers jersey with Connor McDavid and... I don't know. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, I suppose. Uh, Rodion Amirov for top five. I don't know if I'm that high on Rodion Amirov. I think he's very good, uh, but I don't think about him in the top five. I think, I mean, top 20, 100% for Rodion Amirov. If you wanted to do something in the 12 and 16 range, 12, 18 range, that would be, that would be worth discussing. Um, but I don't think... I don't think top five, especially considering he's a winger. I don't really know what his potential is. I need to watch more for sure. He's been bouncing around leagues like a Russian typically does. Um, he was very good in the game that I tracked of his in the junior league. Uh, he might be a weird video to put together if I do put one together for him because he's played in different leagues. And with Pod Colson, I just picked the highest level he played at and tracked them. I tried to do that with Amirov, but he barely played in the KHL. Um, the VHL he's playing, but he wasn't playing when I tracked his first game. So I might have to make a video where I'm bouncing back and forth and iterate that at the beginning. And, you know, it might mean the date is a little bit weird and inaccurate, but he just isn't, I think he's too good for the MHL, but the VHL, he's been like, okay. Anyway, we'll see what happens, but, but he's good, but I'm not sure he can really un unseat those guys in the top five yet. 
at all. Lindell for the Sens at four would be quite something. I mean, but I think that if I'm the Senators, though, like, I want someone who could just blow the doors off an opponent. And I don't think Anton Lundell is that. I don't think Colin White is that. I don't think Josh Norris is that. I don't think Logan Brown is that. And you kind of need that, you know, if you want to really do some damage. I mean, maybe you get a Kopitar-style player out of Lundell. I could see that. Um, But, boy, the Ottawa Senators with someone like a Cole Perfetti or someone like a Marco Rossi, you know, right down the middle, you know, although Perfetti's playing the wing a little bit this year, so I don't even know if he's going to be playing center much this season. Uh, most of it, most of what I've seen of him is playing on the wing. So he might not even be listed as a winger or as a center by the end of the year. So guys like Rossi might be more up their alley. He's right in their backyard, and he could drop right into the National Hockey League right away. And he's putting up numbers, like, so far... He's putting up, and, and he's a similar age, but he's putting up very similar numbers to Alexi Lafreniere. Not saying they're on the same level, but here's a center who, you know, is <laughs> is approaching three points per game, is involved in, in over half of his team's goals on average, if when he's not suspended, whereas Lafreniere, who is a very similar age, you know, is still up at that 54% involvement, fewer points and a lower lower score on my score system. So as it stands right now, Marco Rossi at four wouldn't blow my mind would would be a surprise to people, but probably not to me. Uh but I mean, or you could go out and get like Perfetti and Rossi at four six and have a have a time. But I think if you're picking twice in the top ten it makes picking Askarov a lot easier if you believe in him and you can say, well, we got this pick from San Jose. Like, if the Ottawa Senators turn their number one franchise defenseman into their number one franchise goaltender and more, that's that makes the deal look a lot better <laughs> when you look back on it, which is crazy to think about, crazy to say, but that's kind of the reality, at least right now. Um... Hey, I go, oh, you saw Raphael Harvey-Pinard, I'm assuming that means? Yes, uh, he probably, I mean, he's captaining Shaku to me, which is a good team, so good for him. Um, he was a player that, especially after I saw him at the rookie tournament, I thought this guy could probably be an AHLer and like a good one. Uh, you know, great energy guy. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a top six NHL player, really. But boy, uh, penalty killer, third line, fourth line guy. I could see it. I, I could definitely see it, and... You know, give him a year in the AHL next year. You know, bring him up, see what he can do the year after or two years after that. I don't know. Depends on a lot of different things. But if they can bring him along slowly, he could. I think he could be a thing for the for the Habs for sure. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, have you formed an opinion on Antonio Stranges yet? Yes, kind of. I haven't tracked any data on him. Um, so here's the thing about him everyone loves posting these highlight gifts of him skating around that's great it's a lot of fun 10 and 2 skating is really fun it has its applications 100 percent. but you know there's a lot more i mentioned this last week there's a lot more in a game that goes on than what you see in highlights um and from what i have seen of antonio Stranges, he's a bit passive 
when 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 the puck isn't moving up the ice uh, especially when it isn't on his own stick moving up the ice he can be a bit passive and when it's in his own zone a bit passive like he, he but I need to watch more um I find that the 10 and 2 thing like a lot of the highlights I see of him and guys like Bracco you're not going anywhere um it's it might be odd to counter for defensemen but if I'm a coach and I have a player like Stranges and I'm coaching my defenseman, I just say, don't, don't even try to take the body. Just let him wrap, let him go wide, let him go wide. Keep your stick in the passing lane. Keep, you know, keep tight to him as much as you can. Um, and don't, uh, don't just don't bite and just let him skate around with it. Cause at some point you can push him into a corner um, and I just don't know how that's going to go long-term for him. Like, he's at the tail end of my first round, and, and when you look at his numbers so far, um, like, and I'm a numbers guy, so I have to kind of go off of what I'm seeing. Like, 20% involvement, more goals than assists, under a point per game, um, NHLE score under 18. His, I believe his goal rates are negative relative to a team, so his goal differentials relative to, to, to the Knights are, are negative. Um... Did I say Golden Knights? Relative to the London Knights. I just don't know. Uh, this is a player that I, is at the tail end of my first round just because of the upside. I think there is a lot of upside, but I'm not totally sold on his future. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to definitely be looking at him. He's on my list for maybe before next week, if not the week after. Uh, I have a rough schedule of guys I want to watch. Um, so yeah, I'll keep my eye on him though. Um, Dom's team's rankings on the athletic place the Isles is the team most likely to regress oh of course yeah I mean it's been that way for a year and a half like at some point I mean you can say everything you want about how good Barry Trotz is but their goaltending is 93% and in a, in a in years where league average goaltending is 907 like when you're saving that many more shots I mean on the whole it's not a whole lot but it could make the difference between a few wins uh, that's a big difference. Uh, that's a big, big difference. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They're likely to regress. I could see it. I don't... I just... I watch the Islanders play, and I just go, I don't know how they're doing it. I just don't understand. Um, and I don't know how long that lasts, but it will last as long as your 93% goaltending will take you, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Thoughts on Maxim Groshev? That's a name... Uh, Yeah. Is he... So he is draft eligible and playing in the KHL. Uh, I have not seen a ton of the actual KHL. I've only watched, I think, one game, maybe two. And I think I was tracking Alexander Nikishin. Um, Maxim Groshev might have to go on that list. I don't think I have him... Yeah... But, I mean, playing in the KHL and doing what he's doing, that's pretty good. Uh, I will say that. So I don't really know. I'll probably, I can throw him on the list and, and, and take a look at him. Um, but yeah, he's slotted in pretty nicely. And considering his age and that he's in the KHL, this probably is under-representative of what he actually is. So probably should be higher on this list. Um, but promising nonetheless, I guess. That's all I can really say at this point. Call me again in a month, I guess. Um, how well do you feel Connor Zari's WHL numbers could translate to the NHL? 
That's a good question. Um, I've seen him play a couple of times now. Um, I don't. I think that it's going to be very important whoever's drafting him to have the right expectations. Um, I think he is an extremely smart player for sure. Uh, I think his skating is a bit underrated because it's a little awkward looking and he doesn't um, look super engaged a lot of the time, but he gets around the ice pretty efficiently. Um, but that being said, I don't see him being a super high level number one center. Like his numbers are huge. Um, like if you look at, let me just pull him up here. So he's over 40% involvement, um, over a point per game. You know, this is a very, this is easy first round quality, but I, it's interesting. I watched him back to back with Hendricks Lapierre just to, cause I was kind of wrestling with who I liked more on paper. And when I watch them, I'm pretty sure I would take LaPierre before Zari, um, just because of the upside LaPierre has. And I think that LaPierre is a guy that you can let run a line. You know, he can quarterback a line. And I don't think I see that in Zari. And if I'm drafting Zari, like I saw him ranked in the top 10 recently. Based on what I've seen, I don't know how you do that. I don't, I think you need a guy in the top 10 that you can draft in, regardless of their position. You need to be able to rely on them as a quarterback. Um, and I don't really see that at Azari. But as like a second line center who could play with really high level wingers and keep finding open space in the middle of the ice, like as an offensive center, I think there's a lot of potential for him. And and I know he pushes goal differentials pretty well as well relative to his team, but his offensive output, I think, helps that quite a bit. Um, he's just extremely well refined offensively and finds the back of the net really well. He can score and set plays up, which is really nice. Um, I just don't know about how, I, I just hope that, I, I think that now, it, 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 like top 20, yes. Like if you're, if you're picking in that, uh, Rodion Amirov range, then yes, you could have a discussion about Zari, but there are some players that I watch in that range that I think might have a potential of failure, but at the same time, the upside could be really worth it. Whereas with Zari, I think you might have a good, you know, at the same, I, I kind of wrestle with it because on one hand, I think, oh, you could have nothing. But at the other hand, you know, he's very good at, at what he does. He's very smart um, and he can be dangerous when push comes to shove. And, and that, that has value. So maybe he's a second, third line guy, but a very good one at that on a good team. Um, but certainly would be a, a solid pickup, like definitely could play. Uh, I just, you need to be very careful, I think, when drafting a player like him to not put too much on his shoulders. Like, his puck handling is okay. Uh, let me just pull him up on my list here. Yeah, like, his puck handling is okay. Um, his passing, so the one game I tracked, he completed 60% of his passes, which is, now, to be fair, that's after one game, and the lowest I tracked was Alex Holtz, who was at 38%. Um and most of these guys, across all of the players I've tracked, the average looks like it's in the 70s range up towards 80. So he's below average completing passes after just one game, but 20% of those passes that he attempts are through dangerous areas. Um, but his shot differentials are poor. He was a 40% shot attempt differential guy. Um, but he gets to his dangerous areas. So when push comes to shove, he does the job. It's just the rest of the game that I think has to come a bit of a ways. His his engagement, I think, especially as a center, might need to come a bit of a ways. But I like him. I think he's got potential for sure.
kind of similar to Connor McMichael last year, I think. You know, like Connor McMichael, deceptively good skater. Um, you know, kind of didn't look the fastest, but he was pretty quick on the ice. And Connor Zari, I find the same. Uh, and, and just kind of quietly efficient, I guess you could say. And he turned out okay, or has turned out okay. <sighs> what did you see when you watched Jake Neighbors? Oh boy. Uh, I really, really, really like Jake Neighbors. I already have him ranked a lot higher than most people. Um, uh, so I, I haven't tracked any games of him, but watching him play against, I think it was Swift Current. Now, Swift Current was not a good team, but he the stuff he was trying to do and the stuff that he's capable of trying and doing is pretty remarkable. Uh, just a really, that classic skilled winger. Um, really good skater, really good energy on the ice. Um, you know, really, really well-refined sort of aggressive winger's game with a lot of skill. He can make plays. Um, you know, his his involvement is is good, but not like otherworldly good. But he's a guy I have in the early, early second round, and I don't think that's ridiculous. Uh, I think there's a lot of WHL guys in that early second round where they could turn out to be really something like Neighbors, Ozzy Weisblatt uh, is another one, Ridley Grieg, 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 Grieg. Anyway, those guys were all looking pretty good. Um, but Jake Neighbors, in terms of like upside, I really, really like the potential that I'm seeing, um, but I still have to dig into the data. You know, sometimes what I've been doing now is if I'll track a game you know, and it's 11 or 11.30 and I just got to go to work the next day, I'll just open a game and just go through it just to see players play and just not track any data and just see what I want to track, you know, because I like having both to work off of at the same time. And uh, Jake Neighbors really stood out, so I think he's going to be a guy that I I take a a closer look at. What do you think about Luke Evangelista? I have not seen... I know I was talking about Stranges earlier. Um, I haven't tracked any Stranges, but I did... After seeing all the highlights of him, I just went, okay, I need to see... Just focus on Stranges. So when I watched the London London Knights so far this year, really the only guy I was focused on was Stranges. Um, Evangelista, though, is on my list. I mean, I've seen a bit of him, and he's certainly very skilled. Similar to kind of like Jake Neighbors, just in that style. Um, that kind of brings you out of your seat kind of skill so I got to check him out as well um but I'm not I'm not sure I I can't give you a great read on that it's still pretty early in the year um but yeah so that's kind of where I'm at with Evangelista but I've heard good things I would say from people in the OHL world um so I'll be checking them out for sure how are you able to watch hockey outside the NHL uh I there are services that exist that you know, are out there for people like me to employ. Uh, so I will say that I can't really go into much more detail than that, but there are ways that teams and people like me and newspapers and whatever, uh, can get access to stuff, to archives of, of various leagues. Um, they exist for scouting purposes and, you know, for NCAA scholarships and all that. Um, so that's kind of where that comes from, but the one I have is pretty good and comprehensive, and it's getting better. So I don't know if they're ever going to go public. I doubt it, but yeah, they they do exist. If you do the digging, they exist, but I don't really think I'm in a position to, you know, divulge too much, uh, unfortunately. 
<clears throat> could you see Dylan Holloway slipping in the draft if he doesn't pick up his production? Uh, well, if he does, then that makes it an easy pickup. Um, so the thing about Dylan Holloway, I think he's been hurt recently. Uh, he's been fighting injuries a bit to begin the year. Um, now, the important thing to think about... So... Let me pull up 2018 here. Uh, so Brady Kachuk, for example, is the last freshman to be drafted out of college. Um, and he was a 30-point player for Boston University. And if I'm not mistaken, Boston University was kind of an okay-looking team, I guess you could say. Yeah, he was fourth in scoring... Shane Bowers, Jordan Greenway, Bobo Carpenter. That's a good team. Um, but when you look at Wisconsin, so I've seen a game of Wisconsin's, two of them actually. Uh, their team is absolutely stacked. Their team is gross, uh, especially offensively. Like you're not gonna, you're just not gonna stop them. It's, it, they're, they're just unbelievable offensively. Uh, defensively, they're a bit lackluster, especially, I mean, even when you think of names like Keandre Miller and, and others, but their defense is not particularly great. Like guys like Emerson and Imamoto are just really focused on taking the body and against modern NHL competition or NCAA competition, like they're too fast. Like teams are just going to cycle you to death. And, um, but when things start going their way and guys like Keandre Miller start going up the ice, you know, you see other guys pop up. Uh, the thing about Dylan Holloway, uh, he's playing third-line minutes, and I think, like I said, he's been fighting injuries. Um, so that's important to remember, and he's not really playing on the power play a whole lot. They're putting him out at the end of power plays to sort of be the guy that cleans up after they're done, and I th think they're not using him on the penalty kill either. I could be wrong on that, but they're they're they seem to be sheltering him to kind of bring him along slowly. Um if I'm trying I'm trying to he's playing with Sean Doogie, who is a lot of fun to watch. I would certainly recommend keeping an eye out for him. Uh he's been pretty fun. Uh and I know the Sharks have brought him in a little bit. But um that line that he's on is is pretty fun to watch. And I, I think Holloway, the thing about him that I like and dislike is he's very, very, like, the talent is there. I mean, I've seen shifts in games of his where, you know, last year I saw it in the AJ. This year I saw a lot of it. Um, he just he, he just gets it. Like, he can take over a shift. He's playing against college competition as a freshman, which is pretty pretty big shoes to fill. I think he's the youngest NCAA player this year uh, and he's playing on a team where he's kind of not expected to be a focal point offensively I wouldn't be concerned about it especially since he's been kind of battling an injury I think for the last few games but um, you know he's learning he's made some mistakes I'll say that as well there's some times where I think he just disappears and I think he's you know the AJ to the to the BC, to the NCAA especially Wisconsin it's a big jump that that's a big jump and and I would be interested to see other AJHL players who have made that jump previously like Kale McCarr was a highly touted one um but I think he just kind of exploded into the NCAA right away if I'm not mistaken um uh he had like a good first year 
So 21 points in, in 34 games is very good, but a great world junior. Um, and then he exploded his, his sophomore year. So patience, I think, would be important uh, with, with, with Holloway. I think he's going to need at least one more year in college. Um, I think he's got top 10 talent when he's at his best, but he's been able to disappear at times, which is unfortunate. Ah, yes, Jan Kuznetsov is the youngest one. Yes, thank you for that. I had a feeling that that he was younger. I couldn't remember. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned. It's tough, but it's it's you know, give him some time. He's doing pretty well, I think. Um, oof. How impressive would would it be if Cole Caulfield managed to stay at a goal per game as a true freshman? It would be the most impressive thing. Like, the most recent uh, example of guys who score a lot of goals in their freshman year of NCAA. If I'm not mistaken, Brock Besser was the best one so far in the, like, recently, not in ever. But I'm just looking. Um, So we'll say under 19, all time totals per season. And goals from let's say two oops let's say two thousand and six. Why not? Yeah, Brock Besser, twenty seven goals. So even if Cole Caulfield hits thirty, that's remarkable. Uh and he's on pace for about forty. Like if he hits forty goals, that's whack. That's just wacky. Um but 30 would be a really, really impressive year. Um, and I think he could probably surpass that. Like, when he scores goals, he doesn't just he doesn't just crash the net and hope it goes through the goalie. He's putting them through people. So, it's possible. Uh, I don't know what his shooting percentage is, but, but with, if anyone's going to do it, it'll be him, I think. Uh, thoughts on Ilya Solovyov? Uh... Sure, I saw them play, um, I can pull him up here. So he's one of the most impressive people, players, especially for his age, that's in the sheet. You know, a defenseman with 35% involvement is huge. Um, You know, this to me would be like, oh, you could pick him in the first round. I don't know if I'd go that far, though. Uh, A lot of the, he had one game that I caught where he had, I think, six points. He had like six assists, and there was a ton of power plays, and he was lobbing them in from the blue line, and they were just bouncing around in front of the net and going in points are points um but i think that this is going to regress a bit over the year it's a great start like even if he finished the season with 40 points that would be pretty good for for an import guy in his rookie ohl season um but he's got he's got patience his hands are pretty good his edge work is pretty good not a lot of speed on his feet so i'm curious about how he projects when he goes wherever he's going after the ohl this year if he goes back to the OHL for an overage year, I don't know. But he he's looked pretty good in terms of moving pucks, you know, being patient, um, playing the body well enough, I guess you could say. You know, he played pro hockey in Belarus last year, which is not a high-level league, but, like, it's good. Um, that they're, you know, good players come from Belarus quite a bit. That He played on a team of kids in a league of men, so they got throttled every night, but sometimes that's good for for you know your development to developmental program um 
I would expect it to regress though a little bit. I, I think he's played well, but Saginaw is a very good team. Um, you know, he's playing a lot of minutes and, uh, I just I'm concerned about his projectability. I don't think the mobility is there, but the the patience and puck control and and the edge work is really nice and he's able to put pucks on net from the blue line, but he's not like you can see here, he's not going to shoot the lights out, I don't think. Um as a Red Wings fan, I'm pretty happy with Cider so far. All the Red Wings D-man picks are off to good starts this year. Yeah, Albert Johansson was always good at his best. You know, and it, it just goes to show that sometimes you might just want to pick a guy you like if you've seen him seven times, you liked in four of the games and really didn't like in three games, and just say, well, I mean, he's capable of being this, but can also be this, but I'm going to hope that he can be this, because I'm hoping that he wants to be this too. It's a bet to make, and Albert Johansson has been good, I would say, like solid. Um you know, solid, but, uh, anyway, more at cider. I don't think ever had an issue with coming over to North America and playing like solid hockey. He's a mobile physical defenseman who can pass the puck, you know, decently well. That's fine. You know, for someone his size at his age to have the mobility he had great, uh, still was a rich pick for me. They're reaching, I thought quite a bit, but uh, I mean, also the other concern is I didn't get to see a ton of him over the course of the year, but just from looking at the historical comparables, uh, what I was reading about him, what I was seeing of him, uh, I didn't really think that, that, that at six, that was the best pick that they could have made. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be a fine NHL defenseman that, you know, he's already on his way there. Um, I'm still willing to be very patient it's it's very early in the year. Um, things are still kind of in flux, but I have noticed that he's been pretty good in the AHL to get the year started for sure. He's on a bit of a streak as well, I think, in terms of scoring, which is nice. In my opinion, what was the biggest reach last year in any round? Oh, man. Um, well, let me just pull up my list here. Um... 2019 was last year. So, <clears throat> in 2019, like I think Simon Holmstrom could have been a really was a really big I don't even, I haven't even checked in on how he's doing this year. Um where is he? He's already in Bridgeport, eh? That's weird. I didn't know they did that. So he's playing in Bridgeport. What? That's not what I would have done. He was injured for a lot of last year and played mostly junior hockey, and jumping from the Swedish Junior League to the AHL is really... That's a big jump. Um, yeah, like minus 7 through 12 games and just 3 points. I don't think you're putting him in the best position to succeed. Ooh, this team is not looking good. Wow. Alright, so maybe they're just not good as a whole. That's... Strange. What a strange organization. Anyways, I would have thought another year in Sweden would have done him well, but here he is. Um, but that to me was a really big reach where they took him. Um, obviously, the defensemen I can forgive. You know, I can see the reasons why teams went for these defensemen. Edmonton went for Broberg. There's tons of upside. If if Broberg breaks the right way, 
I wouldn't bet on it, but if he breaks the right way, he could be really, really something. Moritz Sider, I thought there was a really high floor with Sider, so that's fine. It's just, I think, physical defensemen who can skate well, it's, it's worth having on your team, but I didn't think I don't think there's much of a competitive advantage uh to drafting one that high when there were names like um I mean pull a name out of a hat like Larkin and Caulfield was something that I went through in my head a billion times um you know even I mean Pod Colson would have been a bit rich for me there Dylan Cousins I was lower on than most but you know that was the best player available at that pick Trevor Zegris was the guy that I really thought Detroit would look at um but you know they went for their guy and he seems to be working out pretty well so far so we'll see uh whereas Victor Soderstrom I don't know I mean he's 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 been I think he's been hurt um but again a similar to you know similar to Cider there was just to me a pretty high floor um yeah right so I forgot he almost made the Coyotes out of camp or something and they sent him to Sweden for the year which is probably where he should be um but yeah, just like a nice stable defenseman, I guess, who has a low-ish ceiling but a pretty high floor, fine. I can make make heads and tails of that. But like Simon Holmstrom, you know, people are they're swinging for something that I think is very very unlikely to happen, which is his draft minus one year was great, and if the injuries weren't there in his second year, then he would be a lot better and they sent him straight to the AHL. So I'm not sure. And beyond that, um, everything was kind of a bit of a wash. Uh, yeah, Ryan Suzuki was a big one. Um, but, well, sorry, not Ryan Suzuki being a, No, never mind. Forget I said that. Um, Nolan Foote on paper, I wasn't surprised. But in terms of his eye test that I got, I wasn't totally sure on that. Um, I'm just looking at who was drafted highest relative to where I had them ranked. Um... Jackson Lacombe was up there. Uh, who else? Shane Pinto, I thought was drafted really high, but he's gotten off to a pretty good start too. I had Alex Vlasic unranked, and he went way higher than I thought he would. Um, and I don't, I don't even know where he's, how he's doing this year. But anyways, um. Two points through seven games with the uh, Boston University Terriers. So good for him, I guess. Um, But yeah, there was quite a few of them. Last year was weird. Uh, Last year was a strange draft, to say the least. I'll say that. Matthew Steinberg was another one. I think I saw someone mention him. Nikita Okotiuk, I thought, was a big reach. Drew Hellison was a really big reach, I thought. There, There were quite a few of them, and some seemed to be working out. And some don't, but that's the weirdness of the draft. That's the weirdness of drafting teenagers, guys. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect. Um, okay. Oh, hey, Colin. What's up, man? Wondering if you have any thoughts on Tyson Forster. Um, yeah, I do have thoughts on Tyson Forster. I've seen him play. I think he benefits a lot from playing with Ryan Suzuki. Now that Ryan Suzuki is out week to week, praying to the hockey gods he's fine long term. I think he had an eye injury. Um, I think Tyson Forster might... It'll be interesting to see what Tyson Forster turns into 
uh, without Ryan Suzuki. Because whenever I watch Forster, I see a really smart offensive player who gets himself into position really well, um, which is wonderful. You need that. Um, he's shooting 25% at even strength alone, which is pretty high. Uh, that's that's almost unsustainable. Like, it's it's almost impossible to sustain at even strength. If it was including power play, maybe I could see it in junior, but I don't know. He's got a great shot, though. Um, he's listed as a center, but he's been playing wing whenever I've watched him. And I think that's probably where he projects. I don't know if he's going to be a winger. Uh, his skating is good. His skate, his skill is good. His hands are good. Um, but his biggest asset, I think, is when he's away from the puck in the offensive zone and he's able to, you know, navigate around and get himself into order, get himself into the open areas and, and get that shot off and do that thing. I think that's really, really a good part of his game. But, again, I'm going to wait till 20, 25 games in to really make a judgment. Someone was asking me about him today, and, you know, last year I was kind of hesitant on a Bobby Brink for a while until... You know, I saw that sample size get higher and higher, and he just kept getting better. And then when he got hurt, um, the, his team just completely fell apart. And that's when I thought, okay, this is this is kind of you know, like I when I look at Tyson Forster, when I look at him on the ice, and I look elsewhere, I see maybe like a Marcus Kelly and Kelly syndrome, where Kelly and Kelly was on the ice with Bobby Brink and Martin Poshbissell, and everyone sort of was thinking about Kelly and Kelly so much and completely disregarding Bobby Brink because he was small. When in reality, Bobby Brink to me was stirring the pot on both of those, on that whole line. Um, and I don't know if I see the same thing out of Forster, but he does have assets that I think could be a really good tool. Like, he reminds me more of an Alex Bocage from last year, I guess is what I'm getting at. That kind of a player. Um, you know, put a, he'll put up a lot of points, the numbers will look really, really good, plays on a really solid line, um, gets a lot of chances to score. He's got nice hands in tight for sure, and he can skate pretty well like Bocage can. I just don't know if that whole thing is there. I think I would put him in the second round right now. I don't know about first round, but it's possible. I think the end of the first round is still pretty murky. Like, there's a lot of guys who could get slotted in there. I'm really only confident about my, I would say, top 25 I would say I'm only confident about my top three tiers here. So if you're a patron, you have access to this. If you're not, you're welcome. Uh, oh, I gotta go.
Okay, a thousand apologies, I'm back. Hope everyone decided not to leave. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Keith. Okay, I can't play the Jeopardy theme because I'll get copyright striked. So let's not do that. Uh, anyways, yeah, so this is for patrons that can see uh, the top 31. It should be properly reflected today. I might double check that later. But I'm only really confident about my top three tiers. So 25 and up. 26 to 42 to me is a bit of a mess. And then 43 to whatever um, is also... I mean, this constantly changes, though, as well, with what I'm watching and tracking, so. But that's kind of where I'm at, and um trying to double-check where we're at. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, Tyson Forster. Um, so, yeah, I have, a, I have Forster at 41. So, there you go. Um... Hope that helps. Oh, I see the note about Kieran Rushinsky as well. Yes, that was a tribute pick. Um, fine. I don't know if if that's if. I mean, it's obviously very delicate because it involves someone who has passed away. I don't know. Such is life. So I can't really pick that as a big reach. Um, oh, Keith, what's up? How is it going, Scouch? Uh, feeling kind of under the weather a little bit. I don't know if I ate something funky or what, but my brain kind of hurts and my throat is sore, and I don't know. It's strange. There's mucus in places that usually don't have mucus. Too much information for the day. Um, now that you've seen the 2021 crop a bit more, who do you like from that class? I haven't seen the 2021 crop a whole lot, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna cheat in front of you all uh, and go to Elite Prospects page for that. Um, my brain is a little slow here. No, what? That's weird. I think they're updating that. Um, I'm a big fan of Brant Clark. Dylan Gunther is really, really good as well. I've liked him. Um, obviously, Atu Ratu is spectacular. Um, <clears throat> who else in here? I like Luke Hughes, but we'll see when he plays against tougher competition. Definitely a fan of, of Gunther, uh, Brant Clark. Stank Oven as well is very good. I've liked what I've seen of him this year. Chaz Lucius is good. I, I like him. William Eklund is really good from what I've seen. Really, really, really good. Um, I'm just trying to remember if there's any names I recognize here as well that I've that I've seen. Peter Reynolds, I think, if he can grow a bit, get in there, I think there's a good chance of him being a good player as well. I thought he was really good when I saw Chilliwack play a few times. Um... Francesco Pinelli is another one that, that looks really good as well. Uh, there's a lot. It's a good-looking draft, I think. Um, there's a lot of nice-looking players here. Um, I think Noah Meyer was a player that I had my eye on as well. Uh, wow, he's already playing against men, and he's just turned... Oh, he just turned 17. So he's a bit older, but he's playing against men in Switzerland, so that's pretty good. Um, but I still have a lot more work to do in the 2020 draft, so... 
2021 might be a ways away. Alexei Mikluka is another one. Mik Mik is there a there better be a pronunciation here? No, there isn't. Yeah, Alexei Mikluka, but I don't know. He isn't listed as playing anywhere this year. So who knows what's happening there? Rune Naranda drafted him. He's not playing there. Hmm. Curious. But he's one as well that I like. Um, all right. <clears throat> Mathis Desjardins. What's up, man? Uh, what's up? Well, not much. <laughs> Busy as always. Thoughts on Maverick Bork? I have him in my top 25. Yeah, I like Maverick Bork. I, I think I can see why Tony puts him in the 40s. Um, I don't know a ton about Tony's specific philosophy. Um, but Maverick Bork is a player who I think... Uh, he really reminds me of, like, if Alexi Lafreniere played center and obviously not the same level of player. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but, like... If if Lafreniere played center and just wasn't as good, you might have someone like Maverick Bork where you look for something that makes him look extremely special and you never find it. Um, but he ends up on the scoreboard a lot and pushing a lot of play positively. Um, one thing I really liked about him, he's a great passer. Like, he's a great puck distributor. Um, you know, he's really, really dangerous with his passing and, you know, he does a lot of, he, his skating is really good when he gets going. It's just inconsistent and his ability to break up transitions and apply pressure as a center is really, really good. And that's what I kind of like to see out of a center. I think Tony might see him as putting himself out of position, Ooh. uh, putting himself out of position a bit, um, struggling to keep up and, and, and continuously apply that pressure i don't know if that's all heralded i i think that at his best he could be very good so i think he's in my top 20 if i'm not mistaken he's at 22 so in that 20 to 30 range and i think that's probably where he's gonna sit like i said i'm pretty confident in my top 24 25 names that might expand a bit but definitely um I, I wouldn't I don't know about top forty, but he's a player that even when you look at his numbers, like he's over forty percent involvement, and that almost automatically should put you in the first round conversation uh by default. Um uh, but the rest we'll see. I, I he's gonna be one that I watch more of because I did really enjoy watching him play the one game that I did watch. Um gotta catch up here. Uh actually let me do this first. Do 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 Um, let me catch up. No, 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 no. Could you see Tim Stutzel being picked at third overall? That would shock me. Uh, but I don't know. I, you could have the conversation. I'll say that. If a scout came there and said he should be our number three guy, I would entertain the, the discussion. Um, it's just going to be a question, you know, could he be the best winger at the end of the day to come out of the draft? I think that's possible. It's possible he's the best winger to come out of the draft. Cole Perfetti might be the best winger to come out of the draft if they don't play him at center much this year. 
Um, but Tim Stoitzel could be, or Stoutzel, I don't know. I might need to get a German to help me with that. I think it's Stutzel or something. Anyway, I'll figure it out. Um, but him going third overall would be surprising, but there's a discussion, legit discussion to be had if you just want an offensive offensive winger who's going to score a lot of points. Um, he's a really, really dangerous offensive player. It would be a bit of a reach, but I can see the reasoning behind it, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, does the 2021 draft class have the best defense crop in recent memory? 2018 was really good. Um, and I'm not talking about anything historically significant about any draft beyond this one, because things can change in the next year and a half quite a bit. Um, but 2018 is a tough act to follow with guys like, um, Bouchard, Dobson, Hughes, uh, Boakvist, you know, take your pick. Um, there was quite a lot of them, really, really good defensemen out there then, uh, with Rasmus Dahlin at the top, of course. Um, is Kotkaniemi a legitimate first round center he could be uh, I don't know if he is today but he could be I, I think it's perfectly reasonable they they clearly have given him the Sean Couturier treatment a bit where you know it's like we know you have the talent just focus on your own end first and then we'll let you loose when that's down pat um because he was great defensively last year, especially for a 18-year-old center uh, coming off of a good season in Finland. Um, you know, and maybe that's kind of what you wanted of a guy like Anton Lundell next year. But but first-line center potential is there. I mean, if you're drafting a center third overall, you should... Or third? Oh my god. My brain is really fried. It's funny, it just pops up. Um, yeah, third overall. I was right. I was right. Uh, if you're drafting a center third overall, you better hope that they're going to become a first-line potential player. Um, I, I think he could be that, but I think to be very realistic on a championship team, which is kind of the point of what you're building, he could be an extremely good number two on your team. You know? I mean, you look around, like... Uh, could he be the Malkin to Domi, you know, could he be the Malkin to Domi, or could Domi be his Malkin, you know, it, it's tough, you know, maybe he's that Ryan O'Reilly type of player long term, um, and you just fill in the gaps with, with other players, that's also perfectly reasonable, um, but if you're picking third overall and you're picking a center, I would hope that you think that they could be a number one. But number ones, I've been over this a few times. Number one centers are rare. You know, I think there there's probably fewer than 30, like, bona fide elite number one centers. That's really it. Um, Cider, at least, was a huge swing on physical tools. Yeah, it's true. Steinberg in the third round was a reach. Also true. I don't even know how he's doing this here. Let's check. That's not how you spell it, is it? Is it? Oh, I E N. Steenberg. Apparently not. Okay. We'll do this and look up and then the next question. Not a hockey question, but why is size in all caps another? <laughs> um. 
well, originally, uh, originally that was a joke. <laughs> uh, I just like writing the word in hockey circles. I like writing the word size in all caps because it feels like that's what people, a lot of people in the world mean when they say, oh, this guy has size, you know? Um, okay, so he's played two games and he's a plus two. Sure, in, in Ivy League. He was always going to be a bit of a slow burn, but yeah. Um, if he wants to come downstairs, he can just come downstairs. He's probably, he just, he just wants his food, I think. It's my cat screaming if you can't hear him. Um, anyway, yeah, so the size thing is kind of a joke. It's like, whenever people say this guy has size, I feel like I imagine it in all caps. So I just put it there. Um, the rest are all just statistical categories. So technically you're supposed to capitalize all that just to delineate anyway hope that helps um this year would you rather have one or three and eight well it depends on who's available at three and eight um i think i think lafreniere is a player that you will want to have um like would you trade i'm trying to think of a similar year to this like you know, would you trade a, you know, like going over 2017 again, you know? Oh my God, that's so distracting. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, if I had a time machine and I could go back and go to the 2018 draft, for example. Okay, I'm just going to put him out of my head. Nope, he's not there. Uh, and you could... Instead of having Dalene, you have Kotkaniemi and Bokefist. Do you take do you take Kotkaniemi and Bokefist for Dalene? Probably not. Um, I mean, I since you're an Ottawa fan, I'm thinking you're saying would you trade three and eight if that's what it was to get one? I don't know why you would, and I don't think the team in first would make that move. I just think that both teams would be so entrenched in what their plans were. Uh, that that taking the risk on either end wouldn't really be worth it. That would be my approach. Like, if you're picking first overall, to me, it would have to be an absolute no-brainer. So I would want, I would want, I would want. If I'm picking first overall, I would want to just pick first overall and pick Lafreniere and be done with it. You know. And if I'm not picking first overall and I have that pick and I'm trading it, you're giving me a player that, that can step in and be that player right away, you know, or at least something that's worth giving that pick up, you know, and saying, well, he's the best player available, so why would we trade that before we even draft him? And the other one is like, well, you risk you risk that, you know, that eighth overall pick could be a third-line player at some point. So what what value does that have? This guy, man, this guy is just making me crazy. Here he comes. Here. If he wants, he can come sit. Um, but yeah, I guess this year, what would I rather? Three and eight would be a lot of fun because you'd get two really good players. But Lafreniere is something really special. You know, that's really it. Would you... Um, 
yeah, Lafreniere just, I think, is just worth first overall, and I don't know why you would move it unless you really, like, 3-8, and eight, you could hit the ball way out of the park twice, and it could work out. But that's a big risk, I guess is what I'm saying. But if I got the choice to pick, probably 3-8, and eight, because I get two. I get two mystery boxes. Um... Uh, I think most of the criticism at the time with Ajo was his size. He was playing a grown man's maturity in a teenager's body. Look, if you look at Ajo's production, he should have been a first-round pick. That's really an open-and-shut case for me. Um, based on the consolidated rankings, the five biggest reaches were Cider, Broberg, Doc, Knight, and Thompson. Yeah, I could see that. I guess, relative to, to where they were ranked. Um, have you watched much of the AHL this year? Unfortunately, no. Um, I have not seen a ton of the AHL, if any at all. There's just not enough hours in the day, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I'd much rather watch junior games and stuff. It's just more applicable. Um, uh, but I do like, I don't really have an opinion on the question you asked, to be perfectly honest. I haven't seen a ton of E2 Luasterine, but the, the King, the Canes seem to really, really like him. I really like Morgan Geeky, and I knew that the knock on him was his skating, um, and I knew that he was going to be a bit of a slow burn in the AHL, and it's still pretty early in his career. So, and the Canes can afford to be patient. Um, but yeah, I for sure. <laughs> Chat in shambles. Unfortunately, yeah, that's true. It was in shambles there for a bit, but that's okay. It was for family purposes, and family comes first. Um. Yeah, I think the Xenon Project does a good job there. Like, yeah, I think Geeky does have a lot of potential, um, but you're not, you'd rather have him playing. Whereas Lusterine, and you can play him fourth line minutes and just grind him away and, and, you know, just have him as a role player for now. And if he's something more than that, eventually you can do that. Um, Mikheyev ceiling. You mean Ilya Mikheyev? I mean, he's 25 years old, so he's probably in his ceiling right now. Um,. From what I have seen of him with Toronto, and I've seen a lot, I think he's kind of outperforming what his, you know, what his overall game could be. I think he's kind of, like, he's very good, and he's better than I thought he would be, you know, and Russian guys, it's free money, so you can just do whatever you want, and and sign them and play them or not, and if they don't want to play there, they leave, and if they like it, that's great. Um... But what I do like about Mikheyev is, you know, he's just a big dude who wins puck battles. You know, you know he's got a good skating stride. He can handle the puck in open ice pretty well. Um, I just think that he's kind of, you know, slowing down a little bit. Like, there might have been a bit of adrenaline there early in the year and the, the hype and everything kind of followed him around. Um, but he's a perfectly capable middle six player for them right now for Toronto. You know, third line guy. Just go out there and do your job, and, you know, you get the respect of Mike Babcock, and that's a pretty good situation to be in. Um, I'm more I'm more confident about him sticking around than I was with um, uh, Igor, Ozhig- Igor Ozhiganov last year, uh, after a while. But Ozhiganov even started the year, and some people were thinking, oh, this guy's actually kind of legit. Uh, and then he just kind of tailed off. Whereas Mikheyev, I think he is legit. Like, I think he's a legit hockey player for the National Hockey League. Uh, I just think that he might tail off a bit and just be a good third-line option for the Leafs uh, long-term. Well, at least 
short term in the NHL, you know, like a couple of years is long, but not NHL long. Um, greetings from New York City. Hello, David. How are you? I always liked New York. Couldn't live there, but love, love, love visiting. I have family from there. It's great. Any info on defensemen to look out for in the draft? Well, there's many. Uh, we kind of went through this earlier, but I can go through a couple of, uh, of guys here. Let me just pull them up. Um, I mean, obviously at the top you've got Drysdale, but beyond that, I mean, guys that I've liked, uh, Yanni Yermo was a name that I brought up a lot. I'd, I'd really like to see someone swing on him pretty high, similar to Tuomisto last year. Um, I, I, I love the upside of Jeremy Poirier, but I could see him not getting there very easily, actually. Um, Helga Granz, I really like, um... But guys who are really off the beaten path that I kind of have been interested in, um, it's a pretty weak year for defensemen, if I'm being perfectly honest with myself. And I am definitely stalling for time while I find one. Leighton Moore, if he can get his production kind of motoring a bit better with Oshawa, he's a good one. Uh, I, I like him. Mitchell Smith and Saginaw barely scores any points, but from what I've seen, he's one of the youngest players, if not the youngest defenseman in the draft. Uh, and I've liked him as well. What I've seen with my eyeballs, he's very aggressive, but not playing a ton and does have some weaknesses, but I've liked what I've seen. Um, Jake Sanderson, I think, has a lot of potential just based on the profile he has. He's big, but he can skate, uh, but I'm not sure of like long-term upside. I don't know if there's much else there. Um, and outside of that, it's a pretty weak defense group this year Lucas Cormier I'm interested in for the numbers side of it but he's hurt now so we'll see what happens when he comes back but I tracked a game of his and he looked pretty good um but I'm not sure the upside is the same as Poirier so he's ranked a slot lower but only because it's a question of upside to me usually when there's like a two guys that I like and I can't decide on either but I think there's a bit more to Poirier than there is Cormier Cormier is more versatile and smarter at least right now but Poirier has a ton of potential I saw someone mention Donovan Sobrango. That's another one up there as well. Yeah, he's he's certainly up there. Um, Vilio Tavainen as well. Like, there's a lot of good defense options, I would say. Like, a lot of good ones, um, but not a ton of, like, great ones. Um, but I also noticed that there's a lot of defensemen way up over 20% involvement. So that's usually a good benchmark for defensemen, at least offensively speaking. So Emil Andre, Michael Benning... But that was kind of expected. William Villeneuve, although I don't know how... I have to watch St. John. It, they're getting a lot of points from their defensemen. Um, Sobrango, DeRoche, Tommy Niku is another one. I don't know if there's a ton of upside with Niku, and he's a bit older. Well, he's one of the oldest players in the draft, but or draft first-time draft eligibles. Um, I've liked Adam Willsby. He's a two-times overager in Sweden, but, I mean, he's two-times overager playing mostly in in uh, the super elite so you can't overrate that you can overrate that a bit and yeah everyone's mentioning as well Anton Johansson and William Wallander those are two good ones as well Johansson hasn't played a ton I don't know what's up with him but um I like Wallander from what I've seen as well um are you from North York no I am not uh how do you average so NHL score basically averages for now as equally weighting between their raw production, so just scoring totals, 
and their actual involvement in team offense. So the problem I was occurring, I was running into before was that players who were on terrible teams and really, really good teams were outliers. They were extremely overrated uh, or underrated. So Rasmus Sandin was a really good example um, of, of being on a really good team and not having a ton of involvement and being bumped down that way. Um, whereas on, and every time I cut anything deeper than that, uh, it, he looked great, but I kind of ignored it. And I, that's the last time I make that mistake, I think. Um, well, probably not, but gonna try not to in the future. And beyond that, I, um, uh, the other option, the other end of the spectrum was Linus Carlson, ton of involvement at the under 20 level, but his team was terrible. He was about the only guy scoring points on a regular basis. Uh, and every time I watched him, I went, okay, this guy's doing the job on his own. He's got a good shot, um, but I don't know about upside. Where So the, the solution to me was to incorporate raw production as opposed to just involvement to sort of, you know, because if you're on a really good team, you're going to score a lot of points and your involvement might not be super high. So why should that penalize you? And whereas you flip the tables, you're on a terrible team, your involvement's really high, but you're not scoring a ton. In the middle, it still kind of averages out to be about the same. And when I ran the data sets against each other it was about the same for most people just the extremes at either end got much more accurate relative to kind of what was going down there so i kind of went with that and ran with it um the weighting specifically i thought 50 50 again i'm not a pro statistician really like i did some research in university and some statistical analysis there i know what good and bad stats are i guess you could say but when it comes to this kind of pioneering work, I guess you could say, um, and checking back against my past data sets and the results coming out of the draft uh, and, and reorganizing and reanalyzing it, it, it gets kind of interesting. So I figured 50-50 so far has been a good balance because I don't know what's more important than the other. Is, is involving yourself in offense more important than just scoring points regardless of your team's quality? Or is points more important than you know, the involvement, but I think the 50-50 split's been pretty good. Um, have you seen William Wallander play? Yes, I have. I, he's pretty good. I, I've liked what I've seen out of him. Um, where is he on here? He should be in here. Um, I guess I could pull him up in here. William Wallander. Yeah, like over 20% involvement is, is pretty good. He's got that potential first round production i would probably think second round would be good for him but he is pretty big producing pretty well um i'm gonna need to dig in more i haven't tracked anything on him though all right i gotta start wrapping this up so i'm gonna fire through these pretty quick um mathis desjardins okay <clears throat> every year I usually find one guy who I just love, love, love until the day that he retires from hockey. That is going to be Marat Kuznodinov this year. I cannot tell you how impressive this player is. I don't know why his production is so low. I honestly do not know. Um, I wish I did. I mean, from I've tracked two games of his and I've seen three. The guy is unbelievable. Every single time he steps on the ice... He's taken pucks off of guys on the opponent on the opposing team. 
He's moving pucks up the ice under control. He moves the puck, and I, after two games, keep in mind. So originally the problem I had was, you know, it was one game's worth of data where he blew out the opponent's opposing team, and both teams were pretty good. I usually only track games where they're playing good opponents, especially early on. But after two games, his shot attempt differentials at 72.5%, which is huge. Uh, in high danger situations, it's higher. So in in the highest danger situations, it's 89%, 78% in high and medium danger. Individually, 60% of his shots are high or medium danger, which is like good for for forwards, especially after two games. Um, you know, but but offensively moving the puck up the ice he does it with control 79 percent of the time which is uh right up near the top of the group i think the highest i've tracked is maverick bork at 87 percent, but that's only one game um beyond that i mean he breaks up plays coming his way like he's a guy that i'll go to bat for forever and i think that the the thing like his line mates seem to be like he seems to be that close to putting pucks right on their stick and they're just not getting it. They just don't have the finesse to to get to get wood on it. I just think they're just that far away, which is unfortunate. But I can't imagine him being unsuccessful all year. He might be one of those MHL guys. I mean, Gregory Denisenko didn't have a ton of points uh, when he was draft eligible, and I think Marat Kuznodinov. I have him ranked in the first round, and I will stand by that. I think the more and more I watch him, the more and more impressed I am. Uh, today he had a beautiful shift that led to a primary assist. Uh, which I will clip after this because I forgot to do it earlier. I really, really like that guy, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, he could, if he's available in the third round, I'm, I am, I say this every week about different players, but I sprint so fast to the podium that, you know, my feet turn into wheels and I just get there in a millisecond. I mean, it would just, it's, a, he's just great. I just really, really like watching him play for sure. <laughs> He's a he's and I think he's a great modern center. You know, quarterback dominates the middle of the ice whenever he can. Great wheels, great puck control. Um, you know, and I think that if he can just have a few years of developing his passing game, and you can let him play a free flowing kind of game that he plays. You know, he he clearly I think he knows he's one of the better players on the ice, but he doesn't exude it in a selfish way like someone like Poirier does he just gets the job done because he knows he can and I really really like why he plays with a lot of confidence I guess is what I'm getting at so it's free on YouTube try to go watch some shifts of him because he's one of the guys that I certainly will be putting a video together so if you want you can just be patient for that um but if you want to watch now go watch some on YouTube because he's great um what do you think about Jamison Rees? Very rambunctious, very annoying player to play against. Very skilled. I think he could be a great middle six forward for the Canes down the road. Um, obviously a great start. He's doing well. Um, just needs to keep his head on his shoulders, I think. Just saw your 2020 rankings. Was a bit surprised to see Drysdale and Rossi at 3-4. and four. Uh, Rossi, similar to Kuznodinov, but like turned up to 11 both ends of the ice gets the job done he has swagger he can win face-offs he can transition pucks up the ice extremely well um there was the one game i watched they won 5-4 in overtime they were down 3-1 to hamilton he had five assists he could have had two goals could have had as many as maybe eight points like just 
gimme chances that were either ridiculous saves or he put it over the net or whatever. Uh, but but very easily could have had an absolute blowout night against Hamilton that night. Um, and I, I just... I need to track more of him, but another player similar to Kuznetinov where every single time I watched him play in that sh- in that game, he just took over the game. Uh, 31% of, of transitions going against him, so defensive, were done with control. So 70% of the time, the opposing team lost control of the puck. That's huge in the OHL. Going the opposite way, so offensively, it was up at 79%. So the same as Kuznetinov, but... Uh, oh, sorry. Wow. No, 80%. My bad. Um, which is pretty darn good. So anyway, overall, I just am a huge, huge fan of him. And with Drysdale, I think he's like got the Bowen Byram pedigree offensively, but much smarter, much more refined at both ends of the ice. His skating is great in all directions. Um, and I think I look at guy a guy like Lucas Raymond... And I'm not sure. I I think he's very, very talented. Um, And I know people are making excuses like he's sheltered, he's this, he's that. And for Lunda, he's not given a chance to succeed. I think the SHL full-time for him is just a bit too much. I think he should be in the Allsvenskan and, like, running the show, similar to Elias Pettersson when he was draft eligible. And I think he could. But I think Lucas Raymond in the SHL, with his skill set and his size kind of gets relegated to cycling duty along the boards which he's very good at but he can't really get out to do much more and that's too bad um so it kind of hides him from what he's potentially able to do and i certainly would say that he should be gone by the time the fifth overall pick comes around like if someone said at third overall that they wanted to take him i wouldn't put up a huge fight um, I, I just think there's a lot more to like with a couple other players, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm totally cold on him. Um, but again, these are all a work in progress. Long, long, long way away from putting anything out public, even though I guess I just did. But this is mostly just for patrons. It's live updated, um, similar to this sheet. So if you like it, you can help pay for it, but, um... Yeah, that it's still a very early work in progress, I guess. Uh okay. Where were we? Oh, there's the there it is. Um Quinn Hughes would be a great fit in Montreal too. Yes it would. Everyone say hello to Remy. Remy joined up on Patreon today. Thank you very much, Remy. I'm glad to have you on board. Um But yes, Quinn Hughes in Montreal would be a great fit. That is very true. And at third overall that would have been awesome. <laughs> I had him number four, but putting him at number three would have been hilarious and great. Uh, and him in Montreal right now would be quite something. Uh, love to see Rossi. F- well, you're obviously biased, Mr. Crookshank. You just live in Ottawa, and you just love those Ottawa boys. But yes, Marco Rossi deserves to be much higher than where he usually is. You plop him right in your lineup right away, I think. That's kind of my hunch. Um... <laughs> the best name in 2019. So there was, uh, I'm trying to remember. There were two guys with very similar names in the 2018 draft. Um, let me see if I can pull them up. And it was very confusing. I mean, there was a Cole Caulfield and a Judd Caulfield. Nope, that's 2018. 
2019. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's an Alexi Lafreniere this year and a, an Alex Laferriere this year. That's pretty fun. I'm surprised not more people are making jokes about that. There's a few, but it's pretty. It's a pretty fun one. But Arsen Kisamudinov is a good name. That's a great, good, strong name. Have you tracked Danny Agushin? I've seen him. Actually, he should be on this list as players I watched last week. I did see him. Um, he's fun to watch, for sure. A lot of skill. Uh, a lot of fun. Good skater. Really good skater. Uh, but I'm not... To- yeah, that's the one. Cade Weber and McCade Webster. Um, but yeah, Danny Agushin, I like. I think I need to see more. But he's having a really good USHL season. Um the thing that's really hard is is the thing that's really hard is that um there's so many really really talented players that it's really hard to like when i when i order the players that i've seen that i like and in what order i end up with guys in the 40 range where i'm like well how is that possible because the numbers are looking completely different in their favor um now, Gushin's numbers project him as like an early second, maybe late first type of player, which makes sense. Uh, Muskegon as a whole is kind of shallow, so his involvement percentage gets inflated a bit. But the skill is certainly there. Uh, I just think there are other players out there that I think have more upside in terms of a more complete game. But he's a player that is on my list to track because when I did see him play, I thought this guy's pretty impressive and should have some data behind him so that I can have some kind of an opinion. Um, favorite Russian this year, Mirov, Mukamudilin, or Passion? Well, I just waxed poetic about Kizamudinov forever, but I can't say that Amirov is a worse player than him. Um... Like, right now, I would put Amirov in front of Kisamutinov and then Kisamutinov in front of Pashin. I do not like Shakir Mukamadulin from what I've seen. Um, the skating, the passing. I mean, I know that people... He's just one of these guys that whenever I watch him, I'm just not enthralled. I don't see him as a high-level prospect, really. Um, but I, I've tracked a game, so I will track more of him before I really make a, make an assessment. But not totally positive uh, on that one unheralded defenseman so far okay i'm just gonna since this is the third time i'm gonna say yoni yermo you barely hear about him you watch tape of him he's really good he's a player that i think could come up some charts but of the names that you mentioned i like ryan o'rourke quite a bit for just a two-way responsible guy but i'm always wary of players like that ruben rafkin's been good as well um but Solid contributor in the NHL, I would say Yanni Yermo could could be that anti-Tuomisto type of defenseman that plays in the Finnish Junior League and just keeps climbing all year long. Um, and Donovan Sobrango, yes. there's People are mentioning good names in the chat here. Uh, last thing for the, video, for, the, for the one tonight, and then I gotta go. Um, applause for Lucas Reichel in the first round. You're welcome. I had a feeling you'd like that. Uh, I really like Lucas Reichel. He's legit. Um, everyone's talking about John Jason Paterka. Pretty sure Lucas Reichel is legit. I mean, he's playing on a line for last I checked with Cedric Labrie and Maxime Lapierre, two Canadian former envelope pushers, we'll call them. 
uh, and he's still doing okay. Uh, creative playmaker, he can shoot it. His skating is really good. Once he fills out, yeah, he might be a guy that I take a swing on late in the first. Um, but he's a guy who, like, he might be one of these guys who just keeps slipping through the draft and I'm sitting there pulling my hair out and then I add him to my team in the third or fourth round with whatever pick that is and see what happens with him because other teams might just not be looking at him. They might think too much about Switzel or whomever. But I think Reichel could climb boards and I'm putting him in the first round because I was so impressed watching him play. And he's playing against men. His team isn't good. His line mates aren't great. Um, but he's doing what he can. I really, really like him. Uh, and then, okay, this will be the last one because of Cade Weber. Uh, one thing I liked about Cade Weber last year was his shot was huge. Um, he's huge and he can skate okay. Um, but he wasn't a physical guy from what I remember, not super physical. Um, but yeah, he's going to BU next year. Uh, let me just check him out. Yeah, so he's a bit slow to get the year going with Penticton, but again, prep school is really hard to gauge. Really, really hard. And my experience has always been that in prep school, a lot of really good players get away with a lot. John Farinacci is one of them. Uh, Cade Weber was... I didn't see a ton of him because the River School didn't televise their games. Farinacci was televised, and I... He was good, but I'm not... I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid on that. Um, but beyond that, uh, we'll see. I liked Cade Weber's shot from the point, and his skating for someone so big is pretty good. Um... I don't know. Maybe Boston University just wants gigantic defensemen to play and protect Dom Fensori, my precious boy, which is perfectly fine by me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Long-term project here with Kate Weber, I think. Anyways, that's enough for me tonight. I'm very, very out of it. Um, thank you very much for joining me. By the time we do this again next week, the Jack Hughes video should at least be out for patrons. There will be another one after that that I'm shooting this weekend. That should be out for patrons by the end of next week. Um, the Jack Hughes one will be probably next Tuesday or Thursday. And then the other one will come probably early the following week. And then uh, got a couple more of those that I want to do before getting into the full-length reports january probably february but i don't know because i gotta move as well and like settle into a house so that might be a lot of work so bear with me i guess you can say um but hopefully over time i will uh get there but anyway thank you very much for joining me this was lovely i appreciate your patience through my brief commercial break it gave me a chance to rehydrate say hello to my fam and go to the bathroom Probably didn't need to know all that, but that's okay. Anyway, thank you all very much for joining me. I hope you all had lots of fun. We'll be back next week, so be sure to come back. That would be great. And, uh, yeah, if you liked what we do, everything that you need to know is below me. So just go down there, and you can click around and go and visit and do stuff. Um, and, yeah, thank you very much. And I will see you next weekend. Week. Next week. Next Wednesday. Not, not on the weekend. Okay. Okay. Okay, bye.